Welcome to MI Insider, a show where Mercer Islanders give their perspectives on issues here at home and across the world. I'm Miles Avales, and my goal is to highlight the people behind the headlines. Now let's get into it. In the Russia-Ukraine conflict, circumstances are changing, quickly. A war that was once headlined by Russia advancing deeper into Ukrainian territory is now better described by the major counteroffensive from Ukraine, taking back much of the land that had been stolen. In an effort to prolong the war into the winter, President Vladimir Putin has recently announced that up to 300,000 citizens with prior military experience could be called back to fight. A plan which has caused panic and uncertainty, with tens of thousands of Russians fleeing across the border to neighboring countries. I'm Miles Avales, and this is MI Insider. Despite Putin's aggressive move to restock Russian forces, experts say that with little time to train, these added troops will not be enough for Russia to turn the tide of the war. Ukraine is simply too well-funded and too well-supplied. To get a better idea of how the war is viewed by Russians and what may happen next within the country, I sat down with Toli, a sophomore at Mercer Island High School whose family comes from Russia. Here's how our conversation went. Welcome to the show, Toli. Can you tell us about your family background and your connection to Russia? My immediate family is from Russia on my father's side. So my grandmother lives here and so does my dad. I speak Russian and... So everybody, half of my family speaks Russian, and we all are very updated on what has been going on. They immigrated here because Russia changed its currency, and they were left with pretty much no money. So they decided to immigrate to America and start a new life there. So half of my family speaks Russian, and the majority of them are still in Russia. What were your thoughts And how did you feel when Russia invaded Ukraine earlier this year? Well, I mean, (laughs) in the beginning of it, I was kind of like a little shocked and dumbfounded as to why they would do it. I guess in the beginning, I wasn't super, super informed. Like I heard that, oh, there's something going on in Ukraine. And I knew a little bit, but it wasn't until like maybe a couple weeks into the conflict when I walked up to my dad and he's he's very updated on this. I asked him what was going on and his whole thing was Russia doesn't want Ukraine to become a part of NATO. And that's that. that's what I thought it was at the very beginning. But I'm realizing it's quite a bit more at this point. You having that Russian or the perspective from like a family who came from Russia. Right. What do you think is the main purpose of this conflict? For the Russian side, I think it's just like territory and the fact that Ukraine used to be part of its land in the Soviet Union. Ukraine was part of the alliance and if uh, I guess mainly the Kremlin doesn't want that a uh, old ally becomes a part of something that it views as not necessarily an enemy, but definitely an opponent, uh, this being NATO, of course. So if Ukraine joins NATO, it uh, would be like a big disruption of power and the Russia's like perspective on, hey, we are the best, we are the strongest, and all of our all of our allies are still our friends despite the fall of the Soviet Union. And do you think this sentiment is echoed with the citizens of Russia along with the government? 
honestly, I'd say it is uh, yes and no in this case because I think you know there uh, there's been a lot of really intense propaganda since the beginning of the conflict with a lot of citizens not being able to access Western media pretty much at all. So a big percentage of the population has been brainwashed. Uh, and this usually means like the older population that may not be quite as tech savvy. But um, you you can see videos online of younger people, um, mostly like 20, 25 year olds, like protesting the fact that there is a draft. This was like maybe a couple weeks ago. They were protesting the draft and almost immediately they get arrested. So anybody who is in the know is forced to kind of keep their hold their silence and keep their peace lest they be arrested because people are just getting taken left and right and sentenced to jail. How has your family in particular been influenced by this censorship? Well, honestly, not so much. A lot of my family that I have heard from, and keep in mind, uh, a lot of them, we have a WhatsApp chat, and I think that was blocked on their internet. So they can't really access. They've stopped talking. But from, but from what I know and from what my father is talking to, my uh, his brother, my uncle, he, a lot of them are brainwashed unfortunately and this really hurts and i've definitely lost sleep but a lot of them are not in the know and have been listening to russian media for example my uncle who i will not name uh believe has listened to the media and believes that the war is a good thing and since he is of age to be drafted he i would say it's kind of apathy he believes that okay well if i get drafted i get drafted i'll survive which unfortunately isn't the case and i'd like to say that he is kind of denying what is happening and as for a different family member who i know and i've heard of he has been just laying low not really going outside not necessarily hiding but just acting as if like the early days of quarantine not really going outside staying like being a quote-unquote model citizen and a recluse at the same time. What are the biggest things that Russia is telling them to get them to get on board with the government's idea for the war? Well, I mean, get on board. I don't know if that's really succeeding, but as for what they've been telling, and this is, of course, my point of view is not very much different from yours because we've been looking, probably looking at the same exact media. But from what I hear... That the propaganda in the beginning was, oh, Ukraine is full of fascists and Nazis, and we're going to we're going to liberate them from this horrible, horrible oppression. And I think a different one was there. Oh, there are so many ethnic Russians in Ukraine that have been oppressed and suppressed for speaking Russian uh, in Ukraine, which I know for sure it has become kind of a in Ukraine it has become kind of like a hate symbol of like speaking really like doing Russian greetings and speaking because it's the language of the invaders but Russian and Ukrainian is kind of similar so a Russian uh, person who speaks Russian like me can understand Ukrainian but not necessarily speak it so there's a lot of similarities in language and that's why I think there's the ethnic Russian like oh they're being oppressed and we're liberating them kind of thing yeah so you talked about the Russian language kind of becoming a hate symbol Yeah, in Ukraine. I haven't heard all that much about that. I'm not super sure if that's more Russian propaganda or if it's actually true. 
but I know for sure that it's Russia is definitely disliked by Ukraine right at the moment. So, yeah. So when you hear this, how do, how does this affect the way that you approach your country? Well, first, I, I'd like to say that um, uh, I've been kind of, I'm kind of like a mutt. A lot of my family's from Armenia, a sizable percentage is Armenian. I've got definitely got Russian, Ukrainian, like all of this is mixed together. Um, I say Russian to simplify it to people, but um, at the current moment, I'm trying not to say that I'm Russian. I just speak the language. But at the current moment, I um, if someone says Russia, I usually think of the conflict like, oh, this is such a horrible thing they're doing because I'm definitely on the Western side of like, this is really horrible. Russia is being it's turned into pretty much if not already, if it wasn't already now, it definitely is a dictatorship. If I think of Russia like before and I honestly, I just want to be optimistic about it. I, I think of the culture. It's like there's a bunch of anti-Russian sentiment right now. And I think that is completely viable. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the people themselves are allied with what is going on. It is mostly just the government. The government absolutely sucks. But these people, I've been to Russia once. The people are super nice. Russian, they're, they love to laugh. They make jokes. Their jokes are hilarious, by the way. They have good pretty good food, not the best food, but a pretty good food and a really rich culture. So like it's hard to compare all that to a country that has been committing serious, pretty serious war crimes. So do you think that a person can have pride in being a Russian or their culture and heritage in Russia without actually supporting the government's actions? Honestly, the optimistic part of me wants to say yes. At the current moment, it would be hard to say that without appearing pro-war like you'd have to definitely backpedal a lot if you said that but I, w I would give the spiel that I just told you like uh Russia is an amazing place culturally and the people are amazing and they love to laugh and all that but I feel like one can be proud of the culture and I guess it would just take a while for the world to forgive not necessarily to forget but definitely to forgive and for people to be okay with someone walking up and saying hey I'm Russian and I'm proud of the culture. What do you think it would take to get back to a point where that is acceptable? Well, honestly, probably only the one way I can really see it is if the Russian Federation fell apart. And if I would be willing to bet money that a revolution will happen sometime soon because the people, they may not know it, but like, the, the fact that their state of life has been so bad recently is there there will be a revolution and it will happen reasonably soon. And I feel like it'll it will take tens of years, like considering World War Two, the, the fact that a lot of people, some people got over it reasonably quickly, but others still hold grudges today. I feel like it's going to be very similar, if not the same situation, considering there is a lot of. Not necessarily similar motives, but definitely similar things are happening in the captured land. So it'll take a while. And during that time, you'll just a bunch of people will have to specify, hey, I'm Russian, but I didn't support the war or whatever. Do you think that idea of a revolution might come out of this conflict in Ukraine? In Russia, 110 percent. I would uh, say that that would be the only way. At this point, it's just basically clear, even to the Russian populace, that um, Russia is being being routed. They've had. I, I'm sure you're aware. They Russia Ukraine has staged a really big uh, counteroffensive 
reclaimed a lot of land. But I, I just think it's obvious and the Russian people know that, hey, we're losing the war and who else uh, who else's fault is it but Putin and the Kremlins? So I think I think it will happen. Circling back to the idea of these Russians, some of them that are still kind of buying into the propaganda, whether it be your family or just the average Russian citizen. How do you feel towards the idea of people still buying into that propaganda? It, it hurts a little considering like um, from, uh, hey, I sympathize with you because you don't really like know what's going on. I've been talking with a person who actually unfortunately buys into this propaganda. They live here and I, I brought it up with them actually. Um, and they, they completely believe it. They told me a bunch of the stuff that I told you from their point of view, like, oh, ethnic Russians have been oppressed. Oh, this war is such a good thing. Or when I suggested that the votes held in the annex sections of Ukraine uh, were actually like, I said, hey, does it occur to you that that could have been staged? Uh, and she said, how could it? All these people were voting when in reality, like they, the votes were held sometimes at gunpoint. And I guess it's it hurts, but I, I really couldn't say that, hey, you're wrong because this person is a friend and she is trusted. I, she's just incorrect in this point. And it it does hurt a little. That is really fascinating. So someone who is outside of the Russian system, who is like fully part of America. Uh, I think she is a citizen. Yeah. And she's still even though she's outside of sort of the containment of the censorship she's still buying into that well yeah they uh this person was she was raised she lived in russia um there she actually was a teacher and um in there it like during that spot she she's very patriotic because a, a big part of russian patriotism is still hung up on hey we won the second world war a lot of people moved uh like a lot of different countries have moved on but russia is still kind of hung up on that and I, f I feel like that's like a pulling the wool over your eyes on the fact that their military incompetence is kind of glaring. But uh, this person is very patriotic, but also not very tech savvy. So she uses Yandex, which is a Russian web uh, web navigating browser. It's kind of like Chrome, but a, a little less high quality. Um, and they she uses Russian media as a source. So unfortunately, she has been brainwashed and... Unfortunately, there's not really much I can do to suggest because she's already like kind of latched onto that idea and doesn't want to let go of it. Now, going back to something we were talking about earlier, can you elaborate on the chaos and the uncertainty that Russians may be feeling with after Putin decreed that people with previous military experience can be called up to serve again? Okay, so this one I actually haven't really heard much about in regards to my family, but... A lot of the uh, chaos will happen with the younger generation. The older generation, they still, a lot of them remember the Soviet Union and it may not have been the best living for them, but during that time there was a lot of patriotism and like, yeah, communism, we did it, we're, we're the best, we're unionized, yeah, let's go. The younger generation, there's a bunch of videos, I, I've talked about this a little, there's a bunch of videos of people saying, hey, I'm not, I don't want to die for you or for Putin. And then pretty much like maybe two minutes, there's like a, I'll describe one of the videos. There's a little gathering outside of a fountain, I think in Moscow somewhere. And it's a group of people, a lot of them are recording and it's one person against like 
there's a couple people who are basically telling a bunch of police that uh, th- they don't want to die for them. They're not going to go. And the police are telling them, quote, citizen, go home. It's not good for you to be out or something like that. It was kind of hard to tell because the audio quality was bad. But this person got kind of violent, was like waving arms, like showing fists. And almost like 30 seconds later, two people, two police members in riot gear showed up and arrested him, dragged him away. And nobody else said anything because they couldn't. So there's a lot of that happening around. And also the borders have been closed after a bunch of people got out, which was which was kind of sad to hear. So it's clear that you've been following this war for a while. Yeah, I've done the news about it a lot. Yeah. How do you think this situation ends up? Do you have do you have hope for this to end well for Ukraine? Uh, yes, I feel like that is, aside from nuclear conflict, I feel like Ukraine will win. Uh, there's been a joke circulating around that <laughs> I, th- I kind of find funny in a rather morbid way. It's like if uh, Putin does inf- eventually decide to use nuclear weapons. Will anything come out? Will the rockets work? I don't think so. Like, because their military incompetence has been completely shown. Their tanks don't work. They've had to leave munitions just dug under some mud because they've backfired or they're poorly maintained. It's it's really shocking how fast they've uh, Russia's lost this war. In fact, being the ones who had the surprise attack in this case and such a large mobilization, I see... Two ways, like two big ways of uh, this ending. The first one is Putin was just basically like waving his arms and actually like it didn't intend to start nuclear conflict because then literally the rest of the world would be ready to join the war and he would definitely lose. As far as the other one, it would also, I feel like, uh, end with Ukraine winning. There's very little chance the Russia will win. Both of these scenarios, U- Ukraine will win. Um, this one is there's a revolution in Russia, and it's going to be very costly as far as the citizens go. And a lot of people, unfortunately, a lot of people would die. But in the end, I feel like it'd be successful considering Russia definitely can't afford to fight a war on two fronts, especially when one of them is literally everywhere. So the police would be swamped. I bet Putin would be sacked and I bet he would have to either leave or he'd be taken prisoner or something like that. But it would end with the complete downfall of Russia and chances are a bunch of uh, countries would buy land from them just to like pay off war reparations if Russia was even still a country at that point. All right, Tully, thank you for taking the time out of your day to speak with us today. It was very insightful. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Once again, thank you, Tully, for speaking with us. And thank you for listening to MI Insider. You can catch the show every Thursday at 7 a.m. or as a podcast on Spotify. Stay tuned on 88.9 The Bridge.